Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back of the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. On the video screen, this pod brought to you by Zoom. Shout out to all friends of the show in lockdown. We feel ya. Yeah. Join us uh, for a little bit of a movie chat, won't you? Paralympics are on at the moment. Get behind that as well. That is some inspirational oh. shit if you are struggling in lockdown. Uh, the Paralympics, man, get your Kleenex out because you will cry, I promise. Man, I completely forgot. Man, it's so good. Every After every post-race interview where they interview the Aussie winner because Australia just wins everything, yeah, um, which is cool. That's cool. Man, they've just got this. They are the most excited, pure joyous interviews you could ever imagine. <sighs> Feel good stuff. Yeah, get behind them. It's, it's so inspirational and highly entertaining and just mm. and joyous. Yeah. Speaking of highly entertaining, Greg, this is the first episode <laughs> in, a, in a new miniseries. Yeah. Called Popping Tristan's Cherry. Uh-huh. Because we're doing three movies in a row. That were all four. on in the background when you lost your virginity. <laughs> yeah. <That's> the, <laughs> is that the thing? No, I'm choosing the movie that I want to lose my virginity to. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> no, there's a three movies that of I haven't course. seen, so I'm coming in cold and each movie cherry will be popped as the, as the miniseries unfolds. Um, we're going to be doing more mm-hmm. miniseries as series, series like this, um, but with a little double, double impact twist because a lot of other movie podcasts do miniseries and we don't want to just, you know, copy-paste. We're coming up with more. Uh, specific themes such as cherries being We're going to cut and paste. <laughs> Still that shit. It's permanent. Yeah, permanent. Um, so, yeah, this is the one. Maybe I'll put a jingle in here. I don't know. Once you pop, you so what have we got? We've got three three films. Are we going to touch on what they are now or are we going to? Yeah, let's touch on them. So we've got Gladiator 1992, the one we're talking about today. We've got Train Spotting uh-huh. next week. And the birdcage the uh-huh. week after that. Oh no, wait, you're saying you haven't seen the birdcage? No, no, Greg. That's why it's in. The- <laughs> and these are these are three movies you like. You wouldn't die on the hill of yes. saying they're the best movies necessarily, but you you like these movies. Yeah, I mean, I would die on the hill for this film. Okay, fair enough. Gladiator, and then birdcage. I discovered later in life, like a couple of years ago. So yeah. I've, technically I've seen it and I, I do love it, um, but it wasn't big for me growing up. But we can talk about that in three weeks' yeah. time. But in a nutshell, that's what that's what these this what these episodes will be. A movie that Greg has watched and likes slash loves. Tristan watched him for the first time. Can he predict the plot? Mm. Does he think it stacks mm. up? Um, and all mm. the usual shenanigans. Are you talking in the third person, person right now? Yeah. Tristan typically talks in the third person these days. He finds it. I prefer uh, it if you closed your eyes and raised your eyebrows when you. We're do. actually a little ahead of the curve here on Double Impact. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, just sniffing my own fart. <laughs> <sighs> now, importantly, Greg, this is Gladiator 1992, not Gladiator mm. 2000. So maybe yeah. we start there, the year that was. Start with 92. So we've we've done a bit of this year. There's only so much reference I can give to Barcelona Olympics. Mm. Uh, and the big song that sat behind it, you've got to sing Barcelona, Barcelona. Barcelona. Do you know what else was a big song in 1992? 
We're going to go one-hit wonder territory today. Well, it's debatable one-hit wonder. It's Achy Breaky Heart by one Billy Ray Cyrus. Recorded in November 91, released in March 92, uh, this song was massive in Australia. It was huge. So huge. One of the only country songs we got, really. We didn't get many country songs in Australia, so that was that was kind of our mm. one-hit wonder of not just an artist but a genre almost perhaps until we got Cotton Eye Joe Pre- a couple of years later. Well, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> I was going to say until we got Shania Twain. Mm. But Shania. the reality is we kind of didn't really get Shania until she stopped doing country, like a like a oh. Taylor Swift scenario. Because oh, it's not a, real, you know. That don't impress me. has a bit of a wow, behind it, doesn't wow. it? Yeah. That's true. What you got against Brad Pitt, I'll never understand. Uh, calls him out. He's, He's an impressive man. Impressed. Quit your lying. impressed everyone else, Shania. <laughs> yeah, fucking lying. Yeah, well, Billy Ray impressed Australians. This was the first ever single to achieve triple platinum in Australia. Wow. And we're still wearing mullets. We are. So left a lasting impression. Cultural legacy, check. This was his biggest song uh, until what, Tristan? Can you Do you know he's had a bigger song than this? In Australia? No, in the US, sorry. He's had one song bigger than this. Oh, Old Town Road. Ah, you're good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. But he had Old I heard he had road. a lot more songs in the Bill US Mavericks. though, right? This was this was the big yeah. one, but it was sort of the gimmicky one that he hates, but he actually was relatively successful outside of that song, right? Or am I wrong? I think this was his first big release. Uh, and okay. then I think he did other stuff. I'm sorry, I'm caving out a bit. But he's also he he's gone into he went into acting, act, actor slash musician. With his daughter. Yeah, well, he did. Yes, that's right. He was um, obviously on Hannah Montana and he also, bear with me, he's in like Mulholland Drive apparently. I don't remember that. The Spy Next Door. He picked up an, uh, a Razzie, well, a Razzie nom. Right. Uh, Sharknado 2. Uh, he was in that show Doc. Remember that show Doc about a, uh, it's a medical drama about a, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus is Clint Cassidy. That's my mother's maiden name. I could imagine this with a stethoscope around his neck. Goes to the big city. Yeah. yeah he leaves Montana with, and gets a job in that big city. With a Keith Urban haircut. Wearing his cowboy boots. Yeah, ma'am. I like your take, Doc. <laughs> People don't hold the door for me around here normally. Well, ma'am, I'm just a little country boy doing country boy things in the city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't believe in the vaccine. <laughs> But you're a doctor. <laughs> because also Miley Cyrus's godmother is Dolly Parton. So that says to me that is somewhat a signal that he was relatively big time in that community. Yeah, I think he's had about 15 albums. Yeah, right. Damn, that's more than us. Yeah, this was his first song. So he started on a you know a high of sorts, oh. a, a commercial high. Yeah. Uh, and then he's had a heap of others. And, yeah, look, One Hit Wonder is a tenuous statement. But for me, he's a one-hit wonder. The, the Billy Ray Cyrus I know is yeah. A lot of country music exists in a bit of a bubble. It, it's not. It doesn't necessarily transcend. You got your, the Bible Belt in the US, and that's all. Like again, Taylor Swift is a great example. She existed for ages, 
and then we didn't really hear about her in Australia until she crossed over into she less country, country type stuff. Yeah, more pop. And straightened her hair. That's very true. It's very astute on your part. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I quite like country. It's very astute on your part. But like old country, like uh, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis sort of when he does his country stuff. So that's enough talk about Billy Ray. Enough Billy Ray for one day, I say. Nice. Good shit, good. 1992, very big year for Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, dare I say, pretty big year for movies. Uh, it's the year of Aladdin. Uh-huh. It's the year of The Bodyguard. It's the year of Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. It's the year of Basic Instinct, Lethal Weapon 3, Batman Returns, A Few Good Men, notably. Sister Act, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Wayne's World, White Man Can't Jump. But there was a small movie with a very uh, well-known name uh, that came somewhere outside of the top 100 films for the year. What? what was it? What? What? I couldn't even find it on a damn list. But that film is the film we're covering today titled Gladiator. Budget of $20 million, gross return of $9.2 million. Not great, Romy. Not great, Romy. This might be the first genuine flop negative. we've done. Yeah, first negative. Because I, I, I can't that's remember box any. Dollars though, right? I feel like I'd remember that. Yeah, that's box office dollars. What you think it, on video, home video later, perhaps? I like to think. I like to think. Let's say they broke even at best. But it has. It's, I think it has a dedicated uh, fan base. It's definitely one of those type of films. People who know it know sure it. Does. And be like, oh, Gladiator, yeah. Your wife said that she had seen it, but she was lying because she was talking about the Russell Crowe film. Mm-hmm. She tried to shame me in me not seeing it. <laughs> Little did she know. <laughs> Little did she know. Ah. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores, critic score of 31%, audience score of 68%. Interesting, interesting stuff. Mm. Notably, uh, so Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Just, sorry, could I just, on Roger Ebert's score of three out of four, do you know what he gave Gladiator 2000, the Gladiator? Uh, Good question. Two stars. Oh, really? Oh, you knew. Sorry, I thought that was a real question. Yeah, it was a. Lo- it's what it's what we call in the in the industry a loaded question. Ah, he he gave less to um, the power of one as well, which is interesting to note. Oh, okay. Also came out this year. There's a little connection there that I'll get into a bit later. But oh, yeah. Greg, tell us tell us where where this film entered your life and what it means to you. Um, it means a lot. Um, mm. I think I've talked about we probably I probably touched on it when I did. Universal's when we did Universal Soldier and I did my memory. It's come up a few times. There was yeah. a period in time when my brother would have been about he's five years older, so around ninety four, ninety five, he was probably in, you know, late years of high school. I was in it just sort of starting high school, maybe late primary. Uh and he would go into the city and there was some video store where you could buy videos. To keep, which was a novel concept back then, right? We rented everything or we taped it off the TV. Yeah. So not often 
did you have actual boxes with the film in it? Yeah. Um, you know, like with the VHS box like you would see in a video store in your home. Mm. So this was the one of the ones he had bought there. I'd never heard of it at the movies, obviously. Yeah. Who probably didn't even play in Australia based on what you've just said. Yeah, doubtful. But uh, it was one of these VHSs that we had at home and it was on very high rotation. It was probably both our favourite movie. Um, I loved introducing people to this film. So friends yeah. that hadn't seen it, I would watch it and then they'd be converted. Uh, it was like a semi-little religious thing. Um, we would baptise them. No, I made the last bit up. But <laughs> did introduce a lot of people to this film and everyone obviously loved it because it's so amazing. Yeah. I watched it a lot, mate. I watched it a lot. Yeah, nice. And it, has it, has Had it you, stuck with you over the years? Uh, has it stuck with me over the When's years? When's the last time you watched it? I haven't it? seen it for a while. Yeah. yeah a while ago. Maybe uh, more than 15 years. Right. Wow. I'm surprised I didn't get Carol to watch it before we got married because, you know, you've got to check <laughs> certain things off yeah. um, when you're in the courting years, the courting <laughs> stage. There's some prescribed um, texts. Yeah. Yeah, like what are they like at a restaurant? Yeah. Do they talk at the cinema? Do they check their phone at the movies? Oh. Guys and girls, that's a bit of a red flag, let me tell you. If they pull out their phone and start scrolling in cinema. That's a big no-no. Uh, you know, do they chew with their mouth open? Shit, you know, just the usual <laughs> stuff. The usual stuff, yeah. Uh, and what about, do you, now I know you haven't seen it, but had you heard of this thing? I'd only heard of this from you and then I think there's <laughs> been a few friends of the show on the social media that have called it out here and there. So I think there's a dedicated fan base there of, um, oh, you've got to see Gladiator, the Cuba Gooding Jr. Gladiator, not the you know the yeah, boxing one. Yeah. And that's how I'd always heard it framed to me. And, yes, yeah, so I'd been keen to – I knew we'd get to it eventually. It seems to be one of those ones that just stays on Netflix, which is handy. Yeah. <laughs> it's been on there forever. <laughs> just Probably doesn't have it. big licensing yeah. costs attached. Yeah, exactly. It's the bargain bin equivalent of whatever the Netflix deal is. So, yeah, I guess that means I got to do a plot prediction, hey? Plot prediction. Uh, look, the the plot predictions, we've, we're going to get three plot predictions um, over the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Plot predictions are one of my favourite sort of less occurring feature of, of the show. Yeah, we don't do them so often. So if it's the first time you're hearing this uh, little plot prediction segment, I had to guess what the plot would be before I watched it, so I've written this down pre-watch, based only on yeah. what I can uh, decipher from the poster. So I'm allowed to look at the poster and from that I have to try and crack plot. Um, and I've really, I've really done some detective work on this one. It's, it's like a – imagine like a CSI montage as I'm going through each of these things. Look at the poster. Uh, and say, Who are you, gladiator? Um, and this was a tricky <laughs> one because the posters yeah. – so I looked at the posters yeah. and there's varying posters. There's some – Oh, there's, okay. There's, I just thought yeah. there was bugger all on the poster. It was just the two of them. Well, there's the two of them. But sometimes Cuba's at the front, sometimes James Marshall's at the front. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting and I, I was very quick not to be misled by some of this. I thought there's two scenarios here. Boys in the Hood came out in 1991, um, a year earlier. Obviously Cuba Gooding Jr.'s breakout role, 
But this came out a year later, so it's not like this movie was made enough time after Boys in the Hood to know that this guy's famous, therefore let's cast him in the lead role. So I was kind of going through this thing of is Cuba the lead role or is the white guy the lead role? And are there just some poster artworks with Cuba at the front to for marketing purposes since he's just blown up, but he's probably but he may not be the main the lead of the film. And so I was very yeah. 50-50 on this and I eventually decided, well, I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. The alternative would be it's the reverse and Cuba is the lead, but we know from other films from that era, sometimes they don't want a film to come across as air quotes a black movie and not have white audiences uh, appeal, uh, as stupid as that sounds. So maybe they put mm-hmm. the white guy in the foreground to just make sure that people understand there's a white guy in it. I don't know. So these are, these are the scenarios bouncing around my head. This is what's running through your head. And then there's the name Gladiator, a little dramatic. It's not called Boxer. It's, it's more heightened. Um, mm. So this guy mm. feels the weight of the world on his shoulders, you might say. Um, he isn't just fighting the match. He, he's there fighting for survival perhaps. Um, you might even say, you know, when you're talking about gladiators, you're talking about something that is maybe mere entertainment uh, for those watching, but can be life or death when you're on centre stage in the Colosseum. You may be making other people rich and not necessarily yourself. Mm. This, this is what I'm deciphering from the word gladiator. So so I took all these ingredients and I crafted a little plot prediction. Uh, one caveat, I guess, is that obviously this isn't necessarily the movie I want to see, but this is the movie based on the tropes of the era that I, I have assembled together based on what I think the, the old suits in Hollywood would have been pitching at the time. Well, thank you for that very elaborate context. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to talk a little bit through the process, you know? No, it's good. I, I It's enriched this. Mm, mm. Because I had nothing to go off, not even pop culture, because other movies, like The Birdcage, I think I kind of know the plot. But this one, I had no idea. The poster really had to tell me everything that it could. <laughs> Which was much. So I believe the white guy is the lead, I predicted, uh, that the white guy is the lead. Uh, let's call him Benjamin. As alluded to, Benjamin grew up on the streets. He learned to fight to protect himself and his family. But Benjamin was a little rough around the edges, to say the least. One day, ex-boxer, or has been, depending on who you ask, Jack Norton sees this guy's talent and, and helps him hone it into the craft of boxing. But things escalate quickly when an old rivalry from the streets finds its way into the ring. And raises many questions. Where's the real fight? Is it in the ring or is it within oneself? Who is the real enemy? Is it your opponent or the man in the mirror or Brian Dennehy? Friends become enemies. Enemies become friends. Brian Dennehy becomes angry. Benjamin emerges victorious, but at what cost? That's my plot prediction. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Not I knew bad. Brian Dennehy was in this as well. That's the only other context yeah. I had. Actually, yeah. that's how it kept coming up. Because anytime we talk about Brian Dennehy, I think you'd bring this movie up and also Friends of the Show would bring it up. Oh, Brian Dennehy, you got to see Gladiator. Got to see Horn. <laughs> so that's my, <laughs> um, that's my plot prediction. We'll come back and revisit that once we get into the rewatch. But before that, how about I get into the origin story, Greg? Sounds good. Origin story. Now, Greg, there's not a lot to go off here. Um you, as we've alluded to, didn't leave a huge cultural footprint, this film. 
So not a lot of cultural <laughs> artifacts for me to uncover and uh, and and, and uh, build an origin story around. But here's what I do know. You're filling in the blanks for us? I'm filling in some blanks. So this film was originally to be directed by John G. Avildsen. What might we know him from? Well, he's the director of Rocky and The Karate Kid, um, which kind of makes sense. Mm. He was all, but, but he left the movie and I couldn't find out why, but he left the movie... I believe, to then go and do The Power of One, which came out the same year, also a boxing movie. Mm. So interesting, interesting there. He was also the original director for both Serpico and Saturday Night Fever but was fired over disputes with the producers. So maybe there's something there where he's just one of those guys that can be a bit polarising with the with the man with the uh, mm-hmm. holding the purse strings. Um, side note, his final film was a Van Damme movie. Which one? Inferno, a.k.a. Desert Heat. Never heard of it. But that's his final movie. So he starts with with one pillar of lap pack and ends with another pillar of lap pack. Respect to the man. But also notably, so this film was to be helmed by the director of Karate Kid and Rocky. It was also written by the writers of, or at least one of the writers of Karate Kid, Robert Mark Kamen. Yeah. He's a bit of a baller. He is a bit of a baller. He's also uh, moved on to work a lot with Luc Besson collaborating on The Fifth mm. Element, Transporter and Taken. He's done many things, this guy, many, many things. But again, you can start to see the little DNA chain forming of the backbone of, of this particular picture. Um, that's all I kind of got in, in sort of the genesis of the idea. But in terms of the 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 what's happening in parallel to all of this is obviously you've got Cuba Gooding Jr. lighting up the screen on uh, Boys in the Hood. You've got James Marshall Lighting up the screen may be a stretch, but uh, capturing the hearts and minds of teenage girls, I suppose, in Twin Peaks. Yep. Which took me ages to make the connection because I I went and watched all the Twin Peaks about five years or so ago. and um, Oh, you did too, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? He looks so familiar. And for a second I thought he was like that creepy guy in Death Warrant or something because he's kind of got that creepy guy face. And then when I finally looked him up and I was like, oh, my God, yeah, Twin Peaks. But he had different hair and played a guitar and rode a motorcycle. Very different stuff. Um, Interesting. <laughs> I need to revisit that. I haven't watched it since I was a kid and I don't really know what happened. Twin Peaks. Do not who know who killed Laura Palmer. Do not yeah, know. Yeah, but it falls off the rails, but it's a weird show. But, you know, that the David Lynch thing, it's, it's an interesting vibe to have a wash over you versus necessarily yeah, going too it. deep into the plot. Yeah. And the music is great. I was listening to the soundtrack yesterday after I started thinking about it. The music's so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he's quite a star at this point. And there's a lot of star-making turns on that show. you got you got um, the rest of them. I forget the name. <laughs> Carl McLaughlin? Yeah, Carl who's in Australia right now. Have you seen his TikToks? He's in he's quarantine in, in Australia. Have you oh, seen him? quarantine. Yeah, he's yeah. in hotel quarantine, releasing these videos where spiders. he's trying to do like Aussie slang and stuff. And it's so fun. It's like, it's terrible, but it's he's having a good time. Good yeah. on him. I like how he introduces himself each TikTok. Carl <laughs> yeah. McLaughlin here. Sherwin, Sherwin Finn, Lara Flynn Boyle, Peggy Lipton. We'll oh. go on to marry Quincy Jones. Um, Ray Wise, the guy that looks like the devil. David Duchovny was in it, that's right, as a cross-dresser. Billy Zane was in it. I forgot about this. Sorry, I'm just looking it up now. Put a uh, clock in it, Zane. Carol Struckian, that creepy, really tall guy, and the list goes on. 
Um, mm. and, and James Marshall is one of these guys, a rising star. And mm. from what I could gather from some interviews I was able to, to uh, get my hands on, it was a bit of a, so what do you want to do? What kind of movie do you want to do? We've got this, we've got that, and he chose this movie. He, he thought this is, this, is, this is compelling to me. I want to do a movie mm. where I can just have a kind of a blank look on my face for nine <laughs> or so minutes. Um, so he's in. Aloof. Cooper Gooding Jr. is in. Brian Dennehy is in. Robert Loja is in. Loja. Notably as Jack. John Cedar as Romano Asadro. John Hurd as John Riley. John Hurd is really uh, revealing himself as quite the shitty human. Mr. McAllister was a real hero of mine growing up. Uh, I just thought he was a cool dad. As an adult, I realised he was a terrible dad. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck about Kevin McAllister all that much. Um, but Nor about Tommy Riley. Well, that's the thing that I realised. At first I was like, fuck, he's such a deadbeat in everything else other than Home Alone. And then I realised, actually, no, he's a deadbeat in Home Alone too because he, he doesn't give a fuck about leaving his he's kid at home. He's just got a bit more money in that. <laughs> he's just got more money. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't gone down yeah. the gambling rabbit hole just yet. i got some points on that later as well. So he's a real deadbeat. That, that was his thing, I suppose. The, him being a flashy, rich Chicago knight, is that the phrase, Chicagoan? Is 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 playing against type? It seems. Anyway, we'll get more into that. That's the origin story. Rap party, the Viper Room, and all that, all that kind of shit. Let's play the trailer. You have a gift, Mr. Riley. You are a natural kid. You the boy I've been waiting for. I'm my own man, Mr. Horn. You got some hammer, huh? The way you know people are saying, Jim, we love you. Jim, we are with you. Get him. It's illegal, Tommy. What goes on in that ring is a human cockfight. One, two, three. You baptize now. I'm talking two million bucks in your pocket. Be honest about it. You want the money, right? What do you want, Tommy? We're in this together. This is my ticket. I ain't gonna fight you. If you run out on this, you better keep on running. You fight when I say. You fight against who I say. He wants you to kill each other. It's time to make a choice. It's either you or him. Hey, we gotta fight or he don't pay. You don't say no to me, boy. Cuba Gooding Jr., star of Boys in the Hood. Corobuoto. John Slater. Introducing James Marshall. You see, Tommy, you're the boy I've been looking for. Gladiator. Nobody owns Tommy Riley. Nobody. I will survive. It reminds me. I think we did. An, oh, that was on another podcast. But basically, doing these films I've never seen before and not even seeing the trailers. It just reminds me how much trailers can fuck it, man. Because that kind of gives away most of it. It's a. It's a robust. Minute thirty-five. That's for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's sure. nothing. There's nothing all that different in that trailer than other trailers. But just the level of stuff that that they put in trailers these days, or any days, it, it's just such a pure experience watching something with no expectations in terms of plot to a degree, yeah, genre, true. even one of life's one of life's few pleasures. 
lockdown life. I've often contemplated uh, just avoiding trailers altogether, but I can't help it. I'm too much. I get too caught up in the hype, and I want to watch trailers. You're a trailerman. I'm a trailerman through and through. I can't help it, but I know it's a better watch if if you go in pure. But I can't do it. Well, you you think that they would just sort of retweak the the trailer industry to make it more of a teaser? You know, you want to draw people in. You want Agree. people to want more. I think they should do trailers. I think some have done this. Maybe like the Alien franchise with like Prometheus and stuff. I think they still ended up doing a trailer. But create additional content that promotes the film but doesn't necessarily give away any of the film itself. So mm-hmm. I think on on Prometheus, uh, Guy Pierce's character did a did a TED talk, and the TED talk was part of the marketing material. Oh, like, that kind of go. shit's cool. Like transmedia storytelling, you know, it's uh, create this mm. uh, uh, an ecosystem where some pieces mm. of content are free and and build anticipation for the main piece of content without spoiling the main piece of content. Because you also. <sighs> It's an opportunity to, like, thicken the thicken the story. Yeah, um, you can give backstories to characters. You can, you can, you know, give s- subtext to the plot. Exactly. Without exactly. having to do that within your, you know, movie. Exactly. So let let us work in your film marketing. We can take care of all this stuff. But we need to get in early because we might need to film things when you're shooting the flick. That you know, hundred percent. Get us in early, Hollywood. Yeah. There was another trailer Hollywood. I watched recently. It fully just did the whole what was it? Anyway, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But yeah, film marketing, work on it, guys. If you need help, we're right here. Mm. We're marketers mm-hmm. and film watchers. So yeah. there you go. Anyway. Film marketers. As much as that trailer did give some bits away, I I think we still need the the in depth Greg Carney synopsis to to help friends of the show get up to speed. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to the plot a little bit more than that one did. Um, yeah. For Tommy Riley, life is going from bad to worse. His father and he have moved to start a new life to, together after the death of his mother to cancer. But they're moving in the wrong direction, Tristan. Leaving Bridgeport, which I assume is nice. I think it's Bridgeport, Connecticut. I looked it up, that's all I had. To make matters worse, Tommy's father has brought some gambling debts which have followed them to their new home. Mm. So his father must leave his son home alone to to fend for himself. He's done it again. And Tommy quickly runs afoul of the local hoodlums, a.k.a. the (laughs) Stormtroopers. Pretty nerdy name for a... For, to reference Star Wars as your gang name, guys. Just going to call it out there. Hey, a few, there's a few nerdy things these guys do. They do the crouching behind him and pushing him over. They're just such juvenile. Oh, They're yeah. so badass. Like They have knife fights, but then they also do that, and then they say, let's carve our initials on his butt. Like, it's like, <laughs> they, yeah. they, they go between being like hardcore gangsters to Killers. like a bully from The Simpsons. Like, it's yeah. <laughs> bizarre. Adorable rules. Waiting for yeah, him yeah, to yeah. slip on a banana Adorable peel. rules. Exactly. Sorry, continue. So the stormtroopers jump Tommy one night as he puts the trash out uh, in his new dishwashing gig. Tommy dispatches the guys and handles himself very well and is spotted by a local underground boxing promoter, Pappy Jack. 
Now, reluctant to fight, Tommy knows that the money that he could make fighting can help cover his dad's gambling debts and get the uh, get the family back on track. So he enters the dangerous world of underground boxing run by villainous Horn, an ex-bare-knuckle champion who preys on young, poor local talent. Mm. And now whilst Tommy will face some of the toughest street kids in the ring, as Gandhi said, poverty is the worst form of violence. And Tommy's life outside the ring may be his greatest challenge. Mm. It's also a love story with the local diner girl, Dawn. Yeah, isn't it always? Who goes on to be one of the biggest milf thirst thirsty milfs, which we can talk about in a second. Really? Yeah, you're gonna your mind's gonna be blown. Oh wow. It's probably the best wow she was that now that I think we've had on the show. Wow. I'm excited. Should should I just tell you who it is? Yeah. She plays the thirsty milf in Stranger Things. That's her. No. Yeah. I'm Googling it. What's her name? Hang on, just got a name. Oh. So the actress's oh. name is Carla Buono. Buono? She's been in The Sopranos and um, a few other things. But she is in she Stranger Things. She's familiar. I thought she – yeah, sorry, go. No, yeah, she's in Stranger Things. Um, uh, what's what's the character's name? She was in Mad Men for heaps as well for a whole season. Karen Wheeler, real Karen, in Stranger Things. Yeah, Mrs. Wow. Wheeler bangs the pool boy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah no, I'm sorry, I'm looking at pictures. I know exactly who you're talking about. And then he kills her, I believe. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, does she? Does it? Wait, I can't remember. She becomes oh, that show sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's it was so good. It's, it should have been one season. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't really it just keeps do, going. Yeah, it's a bit and then and then. Oh well, this was quite an enjoyable watch for me, Greg. Was it? Yeah, it was. I, I think all again, not having seen the trailer, and then I think doing a plot prediction also gives you some skin in the game. It's yes, really, it's true. real. It's true. What's it's this guy's a real, name? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, a jack. It's a real active watching. It really elevates yeah, yeah, yeah. the watch. It's, yeah, it's a real lean, lean forward experience. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I, I'll talk a little bit through um, my experience in as the, as it unfolded before me. The first yeah, thing where I, where I thought oh, I fucked myself was Robert Loja's name is in the credits, in the opening credits, and I was like, damn it. Plot prediction-wise, he would have had an important role. Although now that I've read out my plot prediction, I realised I didn't necessarily say that that was Brian Dennehy's character, did I? Mm-hmm. No, I'll give so you that. So it still checks out. I said his name was Jack okay. and his name was Jack, spotted his talent, yada, yada, yada. That was not too far off. I think that that character I was alluding to there was probably an amalgam of of Brian yes. Dennehy and Loja. Could you press the and, astute button? Mm. That's very astute on your part. I also use the word amalgam, I think, for the first time in my life. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, strong opening song, I thought, and I think the soundtrack oh, was so quite interesting. That was Seal, right? I think that was Seal. It's Seal. Yeah. yeah. He's got some songs, man. Not just Kiss if from a Rose. If people are wondering, it's um, is it called Free? Dun, 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 dun. I'm not sure. So you want. To yeah, free. and his his Stop windy voice. Brother. He's got an airy, soul-y voice that kind of suits the windy city, wouldn't you say? Somewhat of a main character in this film. 
Yeah, and almost his 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 voice is probably a main character in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree or a cameo, <laughs> a highlight perhaps. Now, what happened next? What happened next? So you, you yeah, the the opening the opening scene is you 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 you're excited. You're feeling that little intro. The they play the full song. No one speaks, and he's walking to school. Yeah, and it's a white man, so I was like, I got that right. I had a fifty-fifty shot of that um, mm-hmm. that he was the main character. It's pretty proud. That he was of that, white. Actually. Yeah, that it was. That it wasn't Cuba. No, I'm with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was good. Interestingly, I think I think a lot of what I predicted was not too far off for the first half of the film, but then the, the film kept going, <laughs> and it went beyond kind of what I had what I had captured. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. But I think uh, what was what started to reveal itself quite interestingly, and I think you'll agree, Greg, is that this was a very JCVD story structure. Oh yeah, go on. And, and plot wise, very much so. You got your Chong Lee type in the ring, um, mm. who even uses some chemical on his gloves. So was that chloroform? Or oh something? yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Very similar, very Chong Lee tactic there. You've got the love interest. Obviously, slash, a bloodsport fan. Exactly. You got your love interest slash motivator. With um, mm. the milk she needed to be beans. a reporter. Yeah, yeah, she needed to be a reporter. Um, you got a fish out of water scenario. You got a mysterious foreign land, which again, the way they, I think it's pretty funny that it's like you know it's the era of Boys in the Hood, and like Hollywood's like, yeah, we need we need more films about predominantly black communities because we don't see enough of that on film. Mm. But it's about a white guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's super poor black people. We're gonna make sure they're all very poor. Yeah, and um, so in that sense, again, like a Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle, you could chalk that up to, you could kind of say that's a bit like a mysterious foreign land full of racial stereotypes, very JCVD. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Many good friends getting, you know, makes a good friend in the fighting community, that friend dies slash maybe dies, almost dies. Many oh, friends getting hurt, motivators are in there. It's a fight tawny after all. Very, very Jean-Claude Van Damme all over, which is, uh, I say, a strength. Very compelling. See, Watch we the see formula works for me. Oh, we see his buns. Because he gets his pants pulled down in the ring. Ah. By horn. Missed that. At the end. Ah. Does he? Missed that. I've seen this a lot. <laughs> Fucking horn. Bastard. Such a bastard. Yeah, he's such a bastard. So I thought that was quite cool. It's, it was fascinating how it's just slowly revealed that pretty much everyone in this school is a boxer. Mm. And I noticed, I realised, <laughs> I, I missed it initially. You, you see the, the Did, Dennehy character paying off a school secu- at the top? <laughs> yeah, school for performing boxers. Um, they, I realised that the security guard that Dennehy's paying Neither. off in a scene was, I think it was a security guard from the school, right, I realised later. There's some oh, kind of affiliation there. Yeah, so that was interesting. Oh. I think that idea is interesting. In fact, you, you might even, this is occurring to me now, so maybe not a spot-on allegory, but you may say that this is almost an allegory for college basketball, just making white people rich and and the players, what, well, they get a uni degree, which it's not nothing, but the amount of money everyone else is making you, off it, fuck, yeah. man. And you might get some trauma, some CTE. Exploiting, basically, yeah, exploiting Students, um, mostly non-white students too, doesn't look good. Mm. These are not good people, I guess you might say, um, um, which I think is relatively in line with with my plot prediction. There, I mean, it's, it's Brian Dennehy after all. 
So uh, it wasn't a stretch um, to mm. see him as a as a big bad. Unless you'd only seen Tommy Boy. Yeah, yeah, it's so delightful in that. Uh, can we also say that I think someone, whoever's in charge of the internet, needs to change Brian Dennehy's stock photo because it's that one. <laughs> it's that one of him quite old and looking crazy. Any diet Brian <laughs> Dennehy article you see, it's that photo. I prefer if they would just use one of the more handsome photos from Julia. <laughs> <laughs> it's that photo, man. He looks like he's gonna it's, kill you. It's, yeah, <laughs> he looks. Yeah, it's not the right photo. <laughs> it's mean. It's not the right photo. It's mean. <laughs> Come on, Google. Do better. <laughs> but yeah, overall, in terms of my initial reaction to the film, it is an interesting one because it's sort of. I feel like it doesn't quite know whether it's giving us a fine steak or a cheeseburger. And it's so, I think it's sort of caught in between mm-hmm. there a little bit. Like is it a, is it a JCVD-style mm. cheeseburger or is it more a Rocky One steak? It's, it's, it's somewhere in between, which can be hard to like settle into. You keep kind of shifting a little bit. So I, I think that was maybe one, I'd, I would say, that's weakness a good, of the film a little bit. That's a good point. I'd say on that point it's... It's like they got the ingredients to make steak, but Rowdy's overcooked it and made like a you had to turn it into a steak sandwich rather than having a full yeah. blown. Fuck, that's it's very astute on your part. That's good. That's good. I'm really finding I enjoy I I just find the food analogy to work so well for movies. <laughs> I well I love food and analogies, so I'm I'm all for supporting your your And movies. You know. Your allegories, your sandwiches, whatever. Stories, stories. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like it. But how was the rewatch for you, Greg? Uh, it was delightful. I'd had a, it was, I watched it last Friday or Saturday night. I'd had a, yeah. an afternoon of wines. Um, so I was, you know, semi buzzed watching it. Yeah. I just had a good time, man. I love this movie. My, my nostalgia for this film is so strong that I'd probably struggle to objectively, objectively critique it, if that's what we yeah. do here. Uh, yeah. I do have a couple of criticisms or observations which I can mm. touch on, mm. but I yeah generally I, I you know I tried to nitpick a little bit, but I I loved it. I, I love this movie. It's got all yeah. the ingredients. It does have a lot of ingredients. It's even got a montage. Well, it does have a good montage. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Well, I was thinking I, I've I've I used to say this a lot, and I've I've dialed it back because I think it's a bit of a cop out slash cliche thing. But I think in this case. This one would work quite well as a Netflix series because there's so many ingredients and a few of them are undercooked, like the girlfriend. She's sort of not mm. really there at all. Mm. A lot of the stuff could hit harder with more time to develop some of these characters and these these tensions. And there's a lot of mm-hmm. fights, so that's always good in a series too because each episode you could have a fight. You know. I think it would mm-hmm. work quite well and and embrace the cheeseburger nature of it, make it a bit more soap opera uh, spend more time on those underdeveloped relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, it works for Cobra Kai. Uh, tonally, a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it's high school high school people fighting each other. So that's something interesting going on there. Um, mm. I think that could work quite well. Oh, I also realised then as I was writing that that um, it's also a bit like Eight Mile, but boxing. <laughs> Definitely got a similar. Uh, feel to it. Yeah, and it's a white guy. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So one of the criticisms I did have on that white guy, said white guy, mm. <laughs> yeah, James Marshall slash Tommy Riley, um, 
Well, come, I'll come back to the, the James Marshall piece because I, I think you sort of alluded to it earlier as well. One of the, but on Tommy Riley as a character, mm. uh, one of the things that my co-viewer, uh, and wife, Carol, called out that she, she wasn't really buying him as a, as a high schooler. Mm. Um, he looks, yeah. he looks a bit older than that. Yeah. So it turns out he was 25 when he played the, played the role, James Marshall was. And I was like, well, that's not too bad, I don't think. You know, you're yeah, 17, that's, that's 18 in high school these days. at the oldest. That's right. Yeah. So I dug a little deeper, Tristan, as we, as we do here to, um, you know, bring our listeners the, the hard hitting truths mm. of, uh, of this bygone era. Um, and I checked out the ages of the Beverly Hills 90210 cast for a bit of fun. Oh, yes. So. I'll give you these. Uh, I'm going to read out their names, and you have to guess how old they are. Sorry, how okay. old they were? They were when, when they first started. When it first started. So I don't know what year were they even for the first year of Beverly Hills. Do you know, like year ten uh, or something? Wasn't like year twelve? Because sorry, what year of high school were they in? I think it must have. I think they must have supposed to be about fifteen or so. Mm, seniors. Um, I, I believe. Can I make a call from the start? I believe Brian Austin Green was the youngest. Ding. Correct. Yeah. And the one that played Andrea, Andrea was the oldest. Correct. Gabrielle Cateris, Andrea, the, uh, the nerdy so chick who I believe was, was 45 at the time. Luke Perry. She was 29 when it started, pushing, she was <laughs> almost 30. Because <laughs> that's so the thing, you might 30. be able to get away with that in the first year, but then a lot happens once you turn 30. Like <laughs> you start to age. It's, a, it's mm. an exponential thing <laughs> aging it's a slippery slope is what it's you're saying <laughs> so jenny yeah that, oh. look they're probably the main call outs jenny garth mm. uh aka kelly kelly she was 18 oh. uh tori spelling was 17 um mm. so she couldn't have been too much older than brian austin mm. green jason Priestley was 21 luke perry was like getting up there he was about 25 26 um it's not even that I think bad though is it i well, he looked pretty old. Like he had that. Yeah, he just looked old because he had a big forehead. Yeah. Well, Ian Zering was twenty six. Um, right. He was quite old. I think he was the sort of oldest, if you can call it main. He was in it a little bit more than, um, than what's the name, the nerd. Yeah. So he's kind of so James Marshall's landing around Luke Perry territory. Bit of a stretch. But he bit probably looked younger yeah. than Luke Perry. And it's, it's one thing to say that, yeah, I mean, of course a 25-year-old can play, but it still depends on what that specific person looks like. And he looks yeah, And how they act <laughs> or don't. Yeah. There's, um, there's an actress, I forget her name, but she's, she's, she's played at high school like her entire life basically and she's nearly 40 now. But she keeps playing high school people. It's, and she looks it. She can pull it off. But it's just crazy to me. It's really? crazy. Yeah. Well, there's apparently there's a guy on Riverdale. I don't know much about Riverdale, but I guess it's set in a high school. Um, oh, yeah. He's 28. A guy called Cole Sprouse. You heard of him? Oh, he's one of the. He's a twin. He's um Big Daddy. Big the Daddy. baby and Big Daddy. The Sprouse, Sprouse twins. Uh, yeah. The baby and Big Daddy. I'm looking him up now. Yeah. He he was one of those uh, like friend of the show Adam Wiley, um, but twin version. He was in everything growing up. The two twins. I think they're in oh, Friends right. as well as Ross's kids. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah. He had blonde hair then. Now he's got brown hair. Yeah, good I think looking, they differentiate themselves a bit, the two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them's – yeah, okay. Mm. 
He's more the brooding oh, one now. Yeah, he's quite handsome. He's uh, mm. I could I mean I don't see any problem with him playing a he's he's quite youthful, boyish yeah. looks. Yeah, that works. That, that one works. Out. You check out Cole. That checks out. Continue. Yeah. Next season, Riverdale. <laughs> Sign it up, champ. You're good. <laughs> um, on James Marshall, it's interesting because, yeah, 25, he's been doing uh, Twin Peaks. This same year, he's also in A Few Good Men, uh, big oh, of movie. Of course, yeah. And so he's, he's killing it. He's killing it. Mm. And then this, would, this was his first lead role in a film and his last lead role in a film. Was it? Now, an interesting story that I came across is um, he basically ended up developing um, some sort of inflammatory bowel disease, oh. which he he blamed the acne drug Accutane for. Now, this actually ended up being a huge court case where he um, he tried to sue the makers of the drug for basically ruining his career. He was seeking damages of $12 million yeah, uh, right. from Roche, the company that makes it, and he had Martin Sheen, Rob Reiner, uh, Brian Dennehy come in as as witnesses to testify the trajectory of the career this guy was on and how oh. being taken out of the game. He had to get, like, shit removed. Like, he was, it was that bad. Oh, the poor guy. Yeah. And... I think this lawsuit happened in the early 2000s. Since then, mid-2000s, Roche stopped selling Accutane. So it's become a thing, the side effects is that not of a, this drug. Is that not a drug anymore? I th- I'm confused by it because then I Googled it and it seems like maybe just that brand stopped making it, but whatever that chemical is that's used is, is still used. But it's highly mm. controversial. Apparently it can cause depression. Um, some, some teenager killed himself after using it. Jeez. There's, there's a whole bunch of stories like that. So it can lead to Crohn's disease, inflammatory bowel disease, colostomy, and um, Chicago. It, the Chicago Injury Center says if you have any of the above conditions and used Accutane in the past, you may be entitled to claim for significant damages. So friends of the show, if you're out there wow, um, and, and your star-making turn in a boxing film was called drastically short by the side effects of an acne drug, you may have a case. He didn't win his case though, unfortunately. The court determined oh. that he had a pre-existing condition, which I think that's bullshit. Like this would have at least inflamed it. But there you go. Like how do you get Martin Sheen, Brian Dennehy and Rob Reiner yeah. to come in? Because Rob Reiner directed like, A Few Good Men, so that was the connection there. Maybe they're big Rambo fans and they just didn't like Dennehy. Could be. I wouldn't get Dennehy to back me up. He wouldn't be my first choice. <laughs> they could have been ex-soldiers who didn't like the way they treated a, you know, a war vet. Yeah, true. That's probably what happened. It's probably what happened. Um, yeah. So I thought that was Almost interesting. Definitely. Poor guy. It's fascinating I mean, he's and quite a, sad. Yeah, he's a musician though as well. So in um, that was part of his thing in Twin Peaks as well. He sang this song that's kind of weird. And um, so he's he's still got a music career now but. Obviously, not necessarily the career that was that was the trajectory that he was yeah. on at a certain point. Interesting. Interesting. The cast in general here, like this, you got this is an amazing cast. Yeah. Oh fuck! Like I forgot got- to mention who actually ended up directing this film. Rowdy. Yeah, Rowdy. Rowdy. What was his last name? I fucking didn't write it down. Hennington or <laughs> Hetherington or something. 
I just call Rowdy, Rowdy Harrington. Like Prince. Yeah, Rowdy Harrington, the director of fucking Roadhouse. Roadhouse. The Razzie award-winning director of Roadhouse. Yeah. Which is quite quite cool in itself because then also Striking Distance was after this, which I have not seen. But i got to oh. think as as like a box set for the director, those three, this, like Roadhouse, this, and Striking Distance feel like not a bad little trifecta. Man, it's a box set of my heart. Yeah, well, like I they're like fun. They're, they're all, all fun movies. Me. This is a fun movie. Roadhouse is, is obviously a fun movie. Striking Distance looks pretty good. Striking Distance is fun. Mm. It's um, it's got uh, Bruce, others, Jennifer. What's her name? The Carrie Carrie Bickmore, not Carrie Bickmore. <laughs> Sex in the City girl, Sarah Jessica Parker. Jessica Sarah Parker, mm, isn't it? Sarah Great Parker legs. Jessica. Yeah, shiny legs. Yeah, she looks. She's got the good legs in this. Um, in that. So. Back to the cast in this thing, you've got the writer, well, let's call it the team. You've got the writer guy from Karate Kid and other, what was the other one? What else had he written? He was involved Fifth in Fifth Element and then um, Transporter and a bunch of others, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you've got Brian Dennehy and Robert Lozier as the sort of elder statesman. They're proper legends. Mm. Um, yeah. And the the cornerman, what was his name? Um, Lozier was, was in Roadhouse as well, right, I think, wasn't he? Was he? don't think so. Maybe not. No. I think so. No. Uh, proper no, legends. And then the kids in it that are, you know, you've got Cuba Gooding Jr. who's obviously gone on to do um, a bunch of impressive stuff. Mm. An Academy Award he did. Mm. Best Supporting Actor in um, As Good As It Gets. Oh, did he win it for Jerry um, Jerry Maguire? Jerry Maguire, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Some controversies of late, but um, a quality actor nonetheless. Yeah, man, he was, he was blown up. I was watching one of the – interviews for this movie and he wasn't famous yet. Boys in the Hood had just come out and the interviewer was like, oh, people recognise him from that movie yet? And then at the end of the interview she was like, okay, and next time I, I think I'll be talking to you about that Tom Cruise movie. It was kind of cool to see it all before it happened, you know? Yeah. Oh, that Tom Cruise movie, little would they know that that would be the big fucking major breakout. The Oscar winning turn. Mm, you can't handle the turn. Yeah. And then the other guy... We talked about, of course, already a little bit. John Hurd. Yeah. Not great at fathering, Tristan. <laughs> Terrible. You talked about it earlier and we sort of talk about it a bit more in Home Alone. He's, he's very apathetic about leaving his child at home. It's kind of the <laughs> mum that wants to get back. Yeah, sure, babe. Yeah, and in like, this instance. If you want. It's tough, very dismissive. Yeah, like, you, yeah I'll, <laughs> stay, I'll just stay here. <laughs> yeah. And in this instance uh get me don't get me wrong it's you know very sad he's lost his wife but then he's mm. you know tough circumstances i get it however net net his son you know ends up in the dead of an evil underground boxing promoter and i you don't know? think he comes back we don't see him i don't because he's, he, he's, he's probably at the track well there's that phone call they have where he's like yeah i'm gonna be here a little bit longer oh we first yeah, thought. that's right but i think i think he's i don't think he's coming back at all that's oh, what it, that's what it feels it. like. He's had his debt cancelled. He's like, fuck, I'm free. I'm a, I'm a bit of a I'm going to take gonna, some more debt on. <laughs> I'm just going to start a new life without that expensive son of mine. It's it. It's like you a know? spiritual sequel to Home Alone. Kevin's grown up. Yeah. The mum dies. She was the rock of the family. The kids are, you know, they're all, the other older kids are quite a bit older now. If Tommy's 17. Yeah. It's like all, a darker, grittier. Yeah. 
Yeah, wait, no, you're right. It's, Lazy's it's blonde kid home alone to fight off the baddies. Yeah, if Catherine O'Hara's character dies in Home Alone, you're left with just that dad who would no doubt spiral in a similar way and not give a fuck about poor little Kevin. Right? Kevin learned to fight along the way, to stand up to his... to to buzz. It just makes Mm. sense. Yeah, shit. Shit. You're onto something here. John Heard. I think it was a bit of art imitating life for him. He, um... I read a little bit, a little bit about him on Wiki today, and it's he sort of he sort of says, "Oh, I was a bit of a he was a stage actor, and apparently he was set for big things." And then oh. he kind of, I think he might have been tough to work with because he says, "Oh, I was a bit of a prick, like in in makeup and stuff. I was always antsy, going to tell people to hurry up, and was just generally not that nice." Huh? And he sort of said, and as a result, I kind of never got. Then I started not getting the roles that I was kind of destined for. It's like I've got no regrets, but I probably, I definitely didn't take, I didn't get the roles that kind of everyone thought I was going to get. And then he plays this guy that's a bit of a tool. Like he's in Beaches he's, um, and he's like the guy that has sex with both of the girls and right. divorces Bette Midler. And, anyway, so was he passed away. He was playing a jerk. I know, I only noticed, I, we must have talked about that before, but I didn't yeah. realise I was looking him up too and I... So he passed away just a couple of years ago. Mm. Yeah, like pretty as, along with pretty much everyone else in this film of the uh, who weren't high school students. Yeah, they they're basically yeah. all dead. Yeah, but they leave behind them uh, a, a wonderful tale of of a gladiator who cannot be bought. Um, in saying that, though, Greg, how do you feel about the fighting in this film? Uh, as our local, as our resident fight expert, yeah, it's a stretch, uh, <laughs> mate. It wasn't the best. <laughs> Yeah, but I assume Benny the Jet was the choreographer because um, he can be seen oh, inside. Because he did Roadhouse. And, well, he was actually that's that's probably that's definitely the connection. I didn't think of that, um, ah. but just because he's in it, he's in it as an extra. Um, ah. he's he's ringside in one of the fights as a, like a, a spirited spectator. Yeah. So Benny the Jet, as a reminder, was one of the greatest kickboxers ever, um, and then. Is a choreographer. So, from movies mm. perspective, as you said, he did Roadhouse as a choreographer. I think he's in it as well. Street Fighter that we've covered. So, they're the couple we've covered that he's choreographed, mm. and he's also the the white villain in a bunch of Jackie Chan movies that are pretty amazing as well. So, he's he's a pretty special guy. Yeah, even um, in our Frank Duke's interview, I forgot this until I was revisiting it for video purposes. He talks about him as potentially fighting in the Kumite, but he was already too famous. So Frank was the one that ended up fighting or something like that. He'll, be yeah. too, he'll bring too much notoriety to it or something, somebody. Mm. Um, Maybe. My, my Sifu has spied him. Really? Yeah, he said it's the, He said he's the probably the, the best fighter he ever sparred was Benny the Jet and just yeah, says fuck. the whole time he was just like studying you. And he just had these piercing eyes and he was just studying your movements and your sequences and your patterns and then he'd just exploit you. Um, said Damn. he was the best. That's mad. I it's think they cool. had a um, – they, they def- these guys definitely had boxing training. They did like a proper few months of like training camp type scenario. Yeah. A lot of um, – I mean they were fit guys obviously. In terms of like – in terms of the fights themselves seemed pretty – 
unrealistic. But in terms of the technique and that kind of shit on display, would you say that's relatively strong? I thought I think James Marshall wasn't the best. If I'm being critical, yeah. Um, yeah. The other guys were pretty good, though. I thought the 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 villainous um, what's his name uh, the main stormtrooper guy what was his name? He had some. Oh uh, yeah, I can't remember. Shortcut that. or something. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty cool. And Romano knew what he was doing, but he's an amateur boxer. Apparently, he'd fought Golden Gloves. Yeah, he was so he great around pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. I loved he, it as a kid. Um, I probably yeah. It's not like boxing choreography in films now is pretty good. Like you watch those. That's the thing. Rocky ones and stuff. The Creed. Yeah, I looked it up because I not being an expert myself, I found one of those reaction videos, and um, it was Gabriel Rosado, the boxer. He was in Creed. He was one of the boxers in Creed in one of the early okay. fights. But he's a boxer, and he was breaking down a bunch of you know expert reacts to type videos. And the ones they went through were like Raging Bull, Rocky, Million Dollar Baby, Creed, Southpaw, and The Fighter. And Raging Bull, I was surprised to hear him say not realistic, just in terms of how, you know, the end where it's like, you never knock me down, Ray, and he keeps getting hit. He's like, they wouldn't let the fight, you're getting hit that much, you can't get hit that much. Yeah. They would stop the fight. Like, you can't just stand there and. You got to defend yourself at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but oh, all of this with a caveat of it's a movie and it, they do that yeah. for other reasons. Yeah. It's not saying it's shit. It's just saying it's not realistic. Um, yeah. Rocky, he only really highlighted the training but said it was very realistic in terms of the the training camp phase of preparing for a fight aside from punching carcasses. Um, <laughs> million Dollar Baby, not realistic at all. That was probably the least realistic Million Dollar Baby. Um, okay. And then Creed, he showed his scene. Obviously, he's going to say it's realistic, but it, it was realistic. They did it. I can't remember. I haven't watched Creed in ages, but um, this was one of the earlier fights and it was all shot in a single take and they, they took like 12 hours to shoot because each time would be a single take. And okay. they were just – it seemed like it was half improvised and they would really connect. Obviously, not – you'd pull your punches a bit, but they would connect to an yeah. extent. <laughs> and so yeah. it was quite realistic. Southpaw said it was realistic. The fighter – realistic but i think based on what he was saying go head body head body yeah i think some of the things points he made on um raging bull and million dollar baby probably don't paint this one as too realistic this thing kept happening where pretty much every fight someone would almost get knocked out and then win or basically did get knocked out and then win and And especially in the earlier fights with james marshall the earlier one it's like he just decided to win for the plot, like nothing changes. The bad guy just stops blocking for some reason. You know what I mean? He just he just starts swinging heaps of punches, and the other guy doesn't now. block. Yeah, yeah. You know? Black Death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The first one, Black Death. If he hits you with his left, go down. Yeah, I think later on they do a better job of having like a oh here's a weakness. Fine, there's a bit more of that, but in some of the earlier ones, it's just like, and now I'm going to win because that's how it works. Mm. Which brings me to the old the old forehead punching, <laughs> and uh, that as a defense mechanism was something I'm not too familiar with. Talking, of course, about Brian Dennehy, the the big boss fight at the end. I call it a boss fight because it was very video gamey. In that, like he, he's he's invincible from his forehead. You got to find a weak. It felt like a video game, and you're fighting the yeah. boss, and it's, <laughs> he's blocking with his forehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And so I had to do a bit of a Google again, not an expert in this area at all. And I found, I found some interesting fight forums covering this. And it was fucking funny, man. There were so many stories. <laughs> really? People saying, it's, it seems to me, and maybe you can corroborate this or not, it seems to me that you're not invincible in the forehead. Like you, if you're getting hit a lot in the forehead, it would still eventually, you're not having a good time. Yeah. But it would also destroy, probably destroy the hand. So it's it's sort of half true, taking some creative liberties. But you're not invincible beyond the brow. It doesn't really work that way. No, you can't get hit with a bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were some good stories in this one. The one guy, half of them were just half joking, but one guy said, no, it's true, although I haven't been able to do long division since. <laughs> uh. Another guy says he saw he heard about a guy that, but he deflected a bullet with his forehead. <laughs> I think that was Brian Dennehy. It must have been Brian Dennehy. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to say on this matter, Greg? <laughs> Loaded question. Yes, I do, Tristan. I do have a story here of my youth. I would call it misspent, but I was a pretty innocent kid. But I do have a, a story about the top of the head being the hardest part of the body. I was yeah. at a house party. Circa, I must have been 15, and I was with a friend of the show, Liam, who's probably listening to this laughing now, and we're at a house <laughs> party in Clovelly, which is over near the beaches of eastern suburbs, a long way from, yeah. from from where we lived. And we got to this house party, and we were in about, I think I must have been about year nine, so like 15. Mm. And we sat there, we were invited by a few girls, and so we didn't know many people at the party. We knew the girls having the party, not not the guys. And apparently I was, from memory, I was like teasing rap music. I was making up my own rap songs and kind of teasing Warren G. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was getting a few laughs thinking, you know, this party's going pretty well. And Kerbert should. Didn't know, but there was the <laughs> group of like basically the stormtroopers were like <laughs> under the house sitting near me in a different area had been like listening to me and like, well, fucking smash this bloke. So, <laughs> yeah, and these high guys school would be older. house party logic. Yeah, it's, and it's these just are like, like homies. a weird thing, isn't what it? Are they bombers, homies, lads now. Bombers, where did we get bombers from? I was thinking about that recently. I don't know. We used to say Maybe bombers. I think the jackets. Oh, and the hat. The hat they like they like the puffy jacket and the hat on top. It's quite mm. a look. So these guys, yeah, they were going to beat me up. They were heaps older and bigger as well. So there was like no hope for me. I was trying to leave the party of the back fans. Liam, yes, Liam, you remember this. You were like, no, you're overreacting. You're always overreacting. Anyway, oh, then I get, I'm like, this is, this is going to happen. I'm in trouble here. And then like some guy <laughs> sort of singles me out. He's like, yo, you like rap music, man? You like rap music? It was kind of like Eddie Murphy when he, what movie is that? You like, yo, baby, yo, baby. <laughs> what movie is that? Anyway, long story short. The guy's like, you like rap music? What's all this shit, you know, that with your hands? What's all this stuff then? And then I'm like, I've got my hands like by my side, like hand sort of, you know, in a surrender sort of up here going, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm sorry. And this goes whack, whack and smashes me twice right in the forehead. Did you? So I'm like seeing. Did you do that on purpose or is it just? No, you just, no I just no got accurate. real lucky. I mean, depends who I'm telling the story to. If it's just you and me. <laughs> Like right now, it's just you and me. But you'd I'm seen Gladiator at this point. Yeah. Oh, have, Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it was just in there. Maybe, uh, maybe I uh, just 
instant reaction. You had Dennehy in your ear of use the forehead. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy planted two massive like overhand rights. Like it was pretty dark. I don't, I don't know what I would have done if I could see it properly anyway. The guy, he clocked me. Yeah. But he didn't drop me. I just sort of took a step back. I was like still had my hands up going, hey, man, it's cool, it's cool. And he sort of shoot off and then it was like, oh, my God. And then I had all the girls, you know, sitting next to me trying to put an ice pack on me. And Liam was sitting next to me and this big Islander guy comes over and goes, oh, I need to talk to him. And like Liam's like, nah, he's like, move. And he sat down next to me, shoved my mate away. And he's like, yeah, no need to call the cops, eh? Like this guy's hurt too. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm not going to call the cops anyway. What are you talking about? Anyway, Mm. long story short, this guy like totally crushed his hand when he punched me. Like apparently had to go to hospital and get fingers rewired and was like there for ages getting his hand reconstructed. Ah. Top of the head, hardest part of the body. I probably That's, haven't been able yeah, to do. It yeah. Probably explains my memory issues, but <laughs> can you do long division though? I don't know what a long division is. So you know, no. I could never do long division. I was like, it was a real secret shame of mine in primary school. Up there with never getting my pen license, but I, I couldn't crack <laughs> long division. And I remember thinking, "Fuck, I'm going to high school next year." I don't know how to do long division. I haven't got this. I need to tell someone I'm fucked. Like, <laughs> I, they're not going to let me through. And then, you know, first day of high school you get a calculator and so you never think about long division ever again. Yeah. It really was a big weight off my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. It's not the same as, you know, breaking someone's hand with my forehead, but, you know, that's my story. <laughs> yeah. That's hectic. It was a hectic one. Hope your hand's all right, guy. Yeah. If you're out there listening now, no hard feelings. You'd probably be my mates now. This is the thing. High school energy and that shit, it's just, it's just, I find fights just so stupid because it often in any other scenario, you'd be good mates. And it's just like if you met at work now, the same person that you probably may have gotten in a fight with in high school, you'd probably hit it off great now. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just like some bullshit high school energy. So, well, a mate of oh, mine so saw fucked. him at a party um, years later because we had another friend there, I should say, Luke. And, yeah, Luke saw him at his girlfriend's house at her apartment. He's like, oh, whoa. you never guess who's here, that guy. And he's like, he's here with his mates. He referred to his friends as his soldiers um, years later. So don't know what he's up to now. Yeah, wow. Don't know who he is, to be honest. Yeah. But he was pretty badass. He's probably a fr- like he would probably listen to this. Like he'd probably enjoy this podcast. It was very basically going to any house party in high school. A fight was on the cards. It was oh, just like accepted as like it. someone's going to get in a fight. There's going to be a fight. I think me and my friends were generally pretty lucky. We never really got in too much <laughs> trouble on the fight front. I've seen your friends, mate. They weren't getting too much trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, not even. A large gentleman. My friends are units. <laughs> large gentleman. But it wasn't even necessarily those friends too. Like, you know, in high school you yeah, get okay. heaps of different groups of friends. But, yeah, we weren't too bad. There were a couple of little scuffles here and there, but not nothing nothing too bad. But you'd see a lot of fights. You'd see people get fucked yeah. up, man. And yeah. some people got were just targets. Like I knew I had a handful yeah. of mates that they'd, I think they were just like, they were obviously on the smaller side and – it just gave off a bit of a vulnerable vibe after, you know, they were probably a bit drunker than most. Like, you know, yeah, they were like they were like the wounded, the wounded little uh, springbok. 
Yeah. Is that the, is and that then fucking dickheads that want to fight just go, oh, yeah, yeah I'll the fight tough that guy. guys, air quotes, yeah. would find like the drunkest and go after him. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, good times. Ah, uh, good times. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot to say as well, in terms of plot prediction wise, like I said, the, um, my plot prediction kind of ran out about halfway through the movie, but then as the movie unfolded, I'm like, oh, okay, these guys, I bet these guys are going to have to fight each other at the end, which I felt was yeah. maybe a tad predictable. But yeah. adding the spice of he might die I think was actually yeah. pretty good. That really yeah. added some weight to it. I thought that That's was quite good, good. And then they didn't yeah. fight. Yeah. I kind of, that was cool. The friendship one at the end of the day, which was kind of nice. Yeah, because it is. I mean, one thing I would say about this in the rewatch is it's a it's quite a predictable sequence of events. You know, it fits many tropes. It fits it fits many tropes, but all, almost in terms of also volume of tropes. Because my plot prediction sounded like a whole movie, but it had gone through all those plot points by the halfway point. It's just a <laughs> lot in there. There's so much in this movie. Like, there's lots of bad guys. There's lots of good guys. Like you could have this whole movie without Cuba Gooding Jr. It would still function as a movie. Don't get me wrong. I still think he'd be – I like him in the movie. But you yeah. could you could argue that a lot of these characters weren't even necessary. Do you need Robert Loja and Dennehy? Like, again, just theoretically. They're just yes. – there's lots of – I like all these guys in it. I think that's what makes it fun. But it's almost uh, – there's a lot in there. Yeah. Which – I ultimately like, but again, like I said, would serve it well with a bit more time spent on each of them too. Yeah, that's, tr- that's fair. Hey, question on the other Gladiator film from 2000 with Sir Russell Crowe. Did, uh, <laughs> did he have to kill his mate at any point? I was trying to think, did he have to fight a friend? I didn't want to rewatch the whole thing. And I tried to Google it, but I couldn't come I up with a so. good search term. Because when, when the Gladiators go out, they only, I think they go out as a team. Yeah. The ones the ones that he's friends with, like point? Jimon Hunsu, I think he goes out as a team. That's what I thought, but then I was wondering, is there any point where, I don't know, even the evil Joaquin Phoenix trying to fuck with him switches things up or something? Because it, it definitely happens in um, Spartacus, the TV show. He has to he has to kill his mate. It's pretty hardcore. Oh. That that show is pretty over the top, but that was pretty heavy shit, man. Um, yeah. You don't see it a ton, but it's a, it's it can be powerful stuff. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Killing of friends. Yeah, killing of friends. Oh yeah, yeah. Should we get into the verdict? Let's do it. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. The law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I had to say about that. And overall, I like this film. I don't know about a rewatch because I just watched it for the first time. But if so, from my point of view, if you haven't seen this, I would recommend watching it, especially if you like Jean Claude Van Damme movies. Yeah. Or like a cross between a Jean-Claude Van Damme and an early Rocky movie. There's some of that mm. vibe there. You'll enjoy it. It's fun. Good. I really enjoyed your um, your comparison or um, of it, not the comparison, likeness of it, of the JCVD plot. That was interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Yeah. 
almost more than any other JCVD film. Like he, he just mm. needed some high-waisted pleated pants. And some splits. Some splits. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you yeah. enjoyed it though. I mean, obviously I do. So for me this part was more about finding out if you liked it or not. Yeah, yeah. So that it's was, uh, obviously it a rewatch for, for you. Me. Yeah, it's a rewatch for me. Yeah. Oh, did Carol like it? Uh, I don't think she liked it that much, no. I think this might be a yeah. bit of a blokey number. Yeah. See, it would be a good TV show too because I would like to watch an hour of this once a week, like as a TV show. I'd be mm. so down for that. Yeah. Should we go through our criteria? Yeah, I mean, most of them don't really. <laughs> Simpsons do it. Uh, why would they? Uh, <laughs> porn parody. Why would they? Oh, also, the SEO is all fucked up on this because anytime you search for Gladiator stuff, mm. it's going to be mm. Russell Crowe. Bechdel test, not a chance. FX test, I mean, kind of in terms of stunt. The punt, like the. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but back on Bechdel, yeah. just in terms of technicalities, what is <laughs> yeah. the parameters again? How much, how much conversation does there have to be with two females? Well, the two females have to have names and they have to talk to each other about anything other than a man. Because doesn't she just talk to her mum about doing the dishes? Doing the dishes may be worse than talking about me. <laughs> I realised that when I said <laughs> No, no, but they're talking about housework. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That wasn't intentional. They, they own a cafe and she's, she's teasing up the dishwasher job. So I was like, technically they're talking about dishes. Yeah, this is up no. there with um, this is up there with Showdown a Little Tokyo where they talk about cocaine or something. Mm, yeah, it's a no. It's a no. Special effects, what were you saying? Uh, special effects, I mean, I think that realism aside, the fights were fun to watch. Like they didn't look too fake or anything. That was mm. So I guess that's the closest thing to special effects. Um, did you have any recasties on this one? I did a little recasty, yeah. Um, I went, uh, well, first I was like, oh, like doing English. I had an English take on it english um england has a a rich history of boxing so let's take this little right. story to england guy richie well i went yeah i thought maybe tom hardy as horn and what's his name tajer edgerton as tommy edgerton mm. what's his name what's that guy's first name uh traeger Tajer, isn't it taron Targan? taron anyway i had yeah, him elton as tommy john, elton john guy Elton John guy as, as Tommy and Tom yeah. Hardy as Horn. And then I thought, oh, do you know what would have been better is doing an English version a few years ago and having Ray Winston as Horn and Tom Hardy as Tommy. Oh, yeah, that's good. He could wear a nice pinky ring and everything. That would be nice. Or Jason Statham, but he was probably a bit bald at school. <laughs> a bit bald to be playing. Unless, he, you know, I suppose – yeah, you need hair. Well, Tom to Hardy's got that other fighting movie, doesn't he? Yeah. With Joel Edgerton. Cool? I've never watched that, but I heard that's a good one, like a low-key underrated thing too. Yeah, I've watched that a few times. It's a good airplane movie. Ah, uh, yeah. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. I didn't have recasts. I got a bit stuck because I was thinking it would be good to have this not about a white guy potentially. Mm. And then I just kind of didn't come up with any casting ideas. But I think if, yeah, if we're going to remake it now, I'd be down for a a TV show version and maybe, yeah, it doesn't need to be about a white guy. I guess it could be a white guy but it kind of, 
you know, there's other stories to tell. <laughs> sure is. Um, maybe an Asian guy. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who's your MVP? It's a tricky one. Uh, Cuba. Yeah. Cuba Gooding Jr. I thought, I used to think he was awesome in this and then he still, he lights it up, man. He does. A and it's a cool character too. His name's Abraham Lincoln. Mm. And he's a, he's a Bible basher, isn't he? Man, he was so cool back in the day, Cuba. Yeah. He was yeah. the coolest. Uh, and I had Loki of Brian Horn. Yeah, so I had Brian Dennehy and Cuba. And since you said Cuba, I'm just going to say Dennehy to even it yeah. out Because they both, awesome they both deserve something. So evil. He's so good, man. He's, He's so, so good evil. He plays it perfectly. Yeah. He'd be He's a got good, the hot, like, like. Got the hot wife and just sort of sketchy rich yeah. guy. Perfect. He plays it perfectly. Yeah, he would have been a good Spider-Man kingpin bad guy type of deal. Mm. You know, big guy. Mm. Yeah. And he had that good – Yeah, I mean, you, you knew it was coming that it was probably going to be bad, but before he's like straight up bad, he had that that yeah. calm demeanour, but that energy you knew was behind there yeah. of evil lurks kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, beware. He's, beware. He's fucking good. Yeah, he's good. And Lozier with his phone is, is close. Yeah, he's, um, he was great. He brought a lot. <laughs> oh, fuck you, he girl. was great. Somewhere <laughs> in between. Randomly leading his big Snickers and M&M's. Yeah, and things oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we give like me my crunch bar. Sidebots. We do. It's good character work. Mm. Um, yeah, Lozier was not in Roadhouse. It was Ben Gazzara. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um, All right. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it. What are we doing next week? Oh, train spotting? Train spotting. I'm really looking forward to this one because this is mm, this is one I just haven't got around to. So I've always wanted to watch it for obvious reasons. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. You and McGregor. Yeah. And I believe it takes place inside a toilet. Is it? Uh, more on that next week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's all, all right. I know about the movie. Friends of the show, we'll see you next week. Stay safe. Enjoy. Bye. See you guys. Robert Lozier.